and welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Two Towers, one shocking tree at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. And joining us again today, we have Phil Dragish from The Matrix Minute. Hello. That's right. Hello there. <laughs> How are you all doing today? It's, is, it, is it Tuesday today? It is Tuesday. It is Tuesday. Excellent. <laughs> There's just too many voices going on in my, in my, in my mind. But anyway, here we are. <laughs> so this Tuesday, we're going to be talking about Minute 52, which starts with uh, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli moving deeper into the forest and ends with Gimli saying, what do trees have to talk about? Hmm? Nah, we'll find out what he thinks trees should talk about tomorrow. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, we will. <laughs> so here we are in, um, uh, well, uh, you could say Wellington in a paint factory. Uh, near, uh, near an airport near yeah. an airport which is amazing hey did you guys ever because uh, I, I unfortunately I was never in New Zealand in, uh, in any of the islands obviously but um, I did a really stupid nerdy thing once and this was like okay this was you know a couple of years ago uh, I went to Google Earth and uh, just kind of did the uh, street view all around uh, the, uh, the the Miramar area and um, uh-huh. <laughs> And the, you know, right next to the airport is that, you know, the Wingnut Studios that they have, or Stone Street as it's called now. Um, And it's so funny because now I know the geography. So if I actually went there, I'd be like, this is really familiar, even though I've never been there before. (laughs) It's so nerdy. That's like the most nerdiest thing I've ever done. That's amazing. I know. I I would love to go to New Zealand. My friend right. recently just went on like the Lord of the Rings like tour. Like she went to like the different locations oh, for nice. like, Rohan and the Hobbiton set. And I'm just like, oh, I'm so jealous. But I'm happy for you. But also take yeah. me instead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> take me instead. Yeah. Someone say that in the movie. I don't remember. I I feel like it. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> So we were talking a little bit about uh, tree beard tracks yesterday. Okay, um, you were right. I'm sorry. Uh, he's, he's Aragorn does indeed go. These are strange tracks. Yeah. Was, <laughs> She's like, what that? What the hell I've is this? I've never seen anything like this before. And yeah. uh, then Legolas has his little monologue about this. This forest is old, very old. I always want oh, to yeah. finish it with old as balls. Old as balls. Yeah, because of the. Um, there was like a webcomic a really long time ago at this point. I don't remember the name of it, but she used to do like different, um, books. And so for the, the oldest balls comic panel comes from like a great Gatsby one. It's just like, oh, we're from really? old money. So old, oldest balls. And it's just <laughs> like, so now it just gets superimposed into things. I, I like, I just, never knew um, that. <laughs> wow. I yeah. learned a lot in these shows. Right. <laughs> he says this, this force is old, very old, full of memory and, and anger. anger. And he looks so scared. I would be too. If the trees were angry at me yeah. and I was in the middle of, I was on their turf. They, uh, right. They talk a little bit about the, the soundtrack for the, the Foley for, for this, for Fangorn Forest mm-hmm. and about how they wanted it to have no animal sounds at all. It's perfect. That's unnerving. There's like the that. only sounds in Fangorn Forest are a little the bit trees. of wind and a humming for the tree noises. It's excellent. 
just that attention to detail. These guys There's no mm-hmm. there is guys, no life in Fangorn but the forest itself. That's so scary. Or at least audibly. <laughs> right? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Fangorn, it you know, it used to be like a, a part of a bigger, bigger forest in, in the past, in the in the first age of the sun. You mm. know. It's uh stretch from, from Beleriand, you know, all the way to Eriado. You know, which is where the which is, you know, across the Misty Mountains all all the way into the yeah. west. Yeah. And uh so, you know, there's there's a good reason for them to be angry. I mean most of it is uh, gone. Right. Fangorn and the old forest in the Shire are two of the remnants of the ancient, ancient forests of mm. that whole section of Middle Earth. So Mirkwood is a newer forest? Or is it also a part uh, of that? I don't think so, but it used to be, you know, it used to be called Greenwood the Great, and it's uh, a little right. bit, it's, it's just, a, it's right next to it, isn't it? It's right next to Fangorn, but I don't think, now I'm just, you know, getting this off my head because I just have all this information. Um, I think that it, it, it didn't connect with, uh, with Fangorn. I okay. don't think so. That makes sense, because I mean, like, I think they're separated up, by the mountains. Legolas grew up in, like, the Greenwood slash Mirkwood, so for him to be like, oh, these trees are old. Like, in right. a sense, Mirkwood's trees are not as old. Yeah. Right? He yeah. also doesn't have that same comment about Lorien. Right. But Lorien is, like, elf magic. And has been lived in for so long yeah. by elves. Yeah. But yeah, he's just, like, you know, Legolas is a forest elf. He loves the, he loves the forest, and he's walking around in Fangorn, and he says, I don't know if I like these woods. <laughs> Gives yeah. me the heebie-jeebies. Right? <laughs> And like Gimli hears the the speaking of the trees and picks up his axe, and Aragorn and, and <laughs> Legolas are both like, "Why are the trees so mad?" And then Aragorn turns around and looks at Gimli, <laughs> "Put put down the axe, lower your axe." Yeah. Uh, did you <laughs> guys ever talk Stop about? That. Yeah. Did you guys ever talk about uh, of, of the goofball antics of, of of Gimli compared to? Do you guys usually do a comparison between the books or anything? Because like. The the thing is, if you've listened to the previous episode I was on, um, I did that whole you know I I read the books a lot, so um, so I'm kind of more used to the books now than I'm the movies just because of that, and right. so I'm just thinking, did, did that ever come up that you know because Gimli is quite quite a bit of a comic relief in this in this uh, this this movie trilogy as yeah. opposed to how he was in the yeah the much original. more serious yeah, in the books. The book, it, like the book treats him with more respect than these movies do i feel yeah. like gim i don't i like gimli in the movie but i feel like he is relegated to the comic relief a little too much like we talked about them running and I, he yeah, just like falls yeah. over and right. like, tumbles into frame and legless really doesn't have a whole lot to do in these movies either yeah but like their friendship is important right to like the overarching message of the story so right. it's not like you can just get rid of them right, right. you can't just can't just cross them out yeah well, yeah, but even if you like, you know, you could technically take them out of the entire story. By the way, do you, do you guys know about the the Miramax version of the script for this? Because that one's, I mean, I didn't read it. I've read certain aspects of it, but that was. Oh, that I, was I haven't read the, the Miramax script. No. The two, the two. Yeah, movie the two one. movies, the two movie one. It's it's. I have to tell you guys, it, this movie is a miracle. This the the. <laughs> You know, like how this movie even got made is amazing. It's just like one in a million chance that everything turned out the way it did. You know? Yeah. So, um, 
So were know, they? Even, did they? Were they not included in the two? It's it's not line? that, but it was a lot more. Uh, how can I say this? It was a Truncated. lot more 90s. Yeah, it was a lot more 90s, if you know what uh, I mean. And I think that when they were writing it, uh, it, I think they mentioned this in the extended edition behind the scenes as well. There was uh, notions of them actually saying that we stopped, uh, you know, following our own kind of um, inclinations to how we want to tell the story in a movie format and went back into Tolkien's uh, words to see how we can actually... Uh, you know, uh, embellish that and bring that up to the forefront um, as far as, uh, you know, like writing a narrative is concerned because that makes it more uh, unique than what they had in their heads. And, uh, and you know, and it goes to show because uh, these movies are expertly done when it comes to uh, filmmaking. And also, I know there's many people who complain who, you know, love Tolkien's work so much, um, and they say this movie isn't, you know, doesn't tap enough of, um, you know, the original book. But I feel like for the movie that they were making, and this movie is uh, action adventure, you know, war movie with uh, fan like it's high. It's not a high fantasy, but it's like you know, fantasy action adventure sort of right. thing. Mm -hmm. What they wanted to do was bang on. Like they just they did it, you know. And I think that's fantastic. And they made it like. And they drew heavy influence from Tolkien's original, which is, you know, I, I can't, you know, I can't commend this enough. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I've always felt that this is like one of the better works of adaptation that I can think of. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. As far as book Absolutely. Yeah. I feel, yeah, I feel like this might be, I mean, uh, Bakshi, the way he adapted it was he actually tried going word for word and just compressing what he could based on Tolkien, like just, you know what I mean? Like just directly. But uh, when it came time to do this movie, Peter Jackson, Fran Walsh, Philippa, what they did was um, uh, they used it in an intelligent way and figured out how to like translate it uh, in a way that uh, isn't usual, you know, because right. they found their own right. way to do it. And it's great. Yeah. And they and some of the most iconic lines and scenes like they pretty much kept exactly mm -hmm. i know right isn't that that's awesome as as exact as they could most right. of the stuff yeah most of the stuff that people quote is actually from the book and that's and i find that to be fantastic mm -hmm. but not meets back on the menu boys that's, <laughs> no, that's no, peter no. jackson <laughs> that's a it's peter just jackson. real quotable oh, man. the orcs are just so quotable from this movie mm -hmm. all of them yeah I mean, I'm pretty sure, but then again, what about their legs? They don't need those. That's actually, right. I think that is from the book, if I'm not mistaken. I think so too, yeah. Because I've, I've talked about it before on here, because I'm really fascinated by adaptation theory. Like, that's one of the things I studied in college. Oh, awesome. Um, so I think this, like, because there is, like, adaptation theory is so interesting because it is so opinionated as well like what makes a quote-unquote good adaptation versus like a bad adaptation and there's a lot of disagreement yeah right and yeah it's people have been adapting stories for ever mm -hmm. um and you know some of them are like a great canonical like and, and some of them works. are basically fan fiction right <laughs> oh, <laughs> well yeah. i mean I, like because um like Dante's Inferno is like it's, part of the canon with a capital C, but it's just like it's based, ad adapting yeah. the Bible and right. Catholic faith. It's and, biblical like, fan fiction. There, yeah, there yeah. we go. There like, we go. Yeah. Um. So I I like these movies because it feels 
true to the spirit of the books, but also makes it accessible for a wider audience. Right. It's like a gateway into Tolkien. So like, Absolutely. if you're really into these movies, like you can just go ahead and read all the books and read yeah, all the and- Read the legendarium. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, and it, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's as you said. Like it is the spirit of it. Like if you're watching the movie, you're watching. Hey, I like that. Well, that's how the book's gonna be. It's just gonna be uh, more booky. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. A little, little more booky. Yeah. And it. I mean, it took me a while to kind of like realize that like adaptation in itself is like an art form because like it's like when when I was. I don't know, like 12 or 13, like the Harry Potter books and movies were my jam. And Mm. I hadn't really gotten into Lord of the Rings yet. And so I was like super into Harry Potter and I just kept comparing like, well, they didn't do this and this and this and this in the book versus the movie. But it took me a really long time to kind of like... That's why you're so mad at Goblet of Fire. Yes. Well, (laughs) that's wrong podcast. Um, No, I would would be (laughs) mad at the Half-Blood Prince. That's like my second favorite of the Harry Potter books, but my like mm-hmm. second to least favorite movie. Interesting. Yes. They should uh, they should have you on their podcast. Wouldn't that be something? That's um. in, in, yeah, in, in a couple uh, a couple dozen years when they get to right. that part. <laughs> but like I don't know, it took me a while to realize like you can still enjoy the book without like criticize like the books and movies are not the same, so you can't go about approaching them in the same way as far as like yeah. the writing and yeah. like yeah. production of them yeah. and i don't know i'm still bitter right. about like 13 year old cassandra right. being like, like nah, this movie didn't do exactly what i wanted i always to find do. like <laughs> i always find adaptations really i always find like the idea of adaptations really fascinating and i'm always a big fan of like when i notice that something inside of another work is like an allusion to something i really care about mm. i'm always interested in the way that sometimes you adapt individual story points from a myth into something else. Mm. So I'm always interested when I spot right. those sorts of things too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you have any good examples, like from at least this movie? Uh, from this movie, I can't think of one right off the top of my head. Mm. Um, but you're on you you you're on the Matrix minute. But uh, yeah. you said we don't have. You're not, you're not doing there. Matrix Reloaded, right? <laughs> no, you said you're not going to be doing that. I, we we just um, can't. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> if anybody from Matrix uh, Minute is listening, no, I can't do it, man. That's how I uh, feel about the the Hobbit trilogy, so no worries. Right, because I find find the mayor... That that doesn't exist. In in Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions, I kind of find the Merovingian really fascinating because of all the allusions to Arthurian myths around him in regards to Neo. So that kind of... Okay, now I get you. Now I get you. Yeah. So, like, stuff like that always kind of piques my interest when I'm watching a movie. in this movie, like, we were talking... Briefly oh, about, the way that, like, like, the saint illusions with... Yeah, um, all the saint imagery around Theoden, yeah. yeah. Que pasa? Um, like, the, uh, there's a shot in particular where I think it's when he's putting his armor on. He's donning his armor in Helm's Deep. There's a shot in particular where his head is illuminated and there's, like, a halo of light around oh, him. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and there are, like, different, like, martyrs, like, symbols throughout Right. Tied to Theoden, which I've never picked up on before. The, so we're kind of like tracking them as we go. And when we were talking about the throne room, like there's a there's a shot that looks very cathedral like mm-hmm. where he's in shadow and the banners behind him look like stained glass windows. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's which that's is a really cool allusion to um, Tolkien's uh, Catholic faith. Right. right. So, um, I'm, yeah, I'm into that. Although, like, yeah, 
we're gonna probably talk about that when uh, Gandalf shows up. Yes, Spoiler. yes, at length. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna we're gonna also talk about a little bit of like kind of saint like or angel like imagery with Gandalf here too this week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of uh, the minute back there, we always kind of trail off, don't we? Uh, we do that every day. Oh, perfect. Okay, then. I thought, we, we I thought this was a unique uh, some, some days are better incident. than others. Some days are better than others, but we usually wind up talking about something that takes us away from the minute. <laughs> yeah, so we were talking about the adaptation and so on and so forth, and yeah. It, it, it works for, for what they were, you know, like, for, as far as I'm concerned, what they were uh, going for, they nailed. They totally right. got that. Because mm-hmm. movie making is a subjective thing, pretending to be yeah. objective. And right. so, therefore, uh, what they were, this is what they thought was the best. And this is also what they planned. I feel like this is exactly what they planned on doing. And and, they right. and you know, they, they did like test audience screenings and like they talked to a lot of like movie executives, people who worked on other movies for the studio they're on, like about what movie audiences react to and like trying to figure out what they should do and what they shouldn't, like why they went back and forth on the Nazgul like I talked about yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this yeah. minute continues Legolas' trend of being Captain Obvious. Yeah. Because obviously this forest is old. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. buddy. Thanks. Good job. Uh, and then we hear the trees speak. And then Legolas says, the elves began it, waking up the trees. Yeah, and off mic, you were like, that's wrong. So uh, okay, why don't okay. you like, so explain this? Let's, let's, let's talk about this. <laughs> so in the Silmarillion, which we talked about on our weekend edition, mm-hmm. it is one Very of good. the Valar that convinced Iluvatar to, to awaken the Ents. Yes. Uh, Yavanna. Yes. And the eagles. And the eagles. They were they were both awoken because she believed the natural world needed their own protectors separate from the, the other sentient creations of Iluvatar. Mm. Uh, so you have the Ents and the Eagles, both of which are awesome and get to do whatever they want what whatever they want, and there's no other race on Middle Earth that can really do anything about them. Like <laughs> yeah. if they if they want to, they do whatever they want. No <laughs> one can stop them. Yeah, they're they're not they're not bound to uh the uh, I want to say that like the story they're not bound to the the story of the world as much as uh, what the children of Eru are bound mm-hmm. to right like, for example like and, and not only that but each individual member of like the races of eagles and the races of ants are like miles beyond any other person walking the planet as far as like how strong they really except are Tom Bombadil. except for Tom Bombadil he's not a person <laughs> We're, we're, no one knows what Tom. We're not gonna no one that knows box. what Tom Bombadil <laughs> is. Uh, I kind of like the idea that he's Iluvatar's kind of like avatar on Middle Earth. Uh, oh, weird! It's a, it's yeah, a nice that, idea, but uh, but there, there's there's like there's nothing. And and Tolkien said like it doesn't matter what Tom Bombadil is, just let <laughs> no, it go, no, guys. Yeah, it was it was just uh, it was he was just a character made up uh, when he was telling stories to his kids uh, before bed, and it, I feel like it was just. Um, a little just a little thing that he put in maybe for his for his kids a little bit just it's just an extra character that um really doesn't have to bring in so much um right. discussion you know he's just right. he's just ben, he's just uh you know benadar he's a uh, old bombadillo and he just sits <laughs> in that forest that's all he does that's who he is and right. yet so many so many discussions there's so that. much there, there, there's so much there's so much amazing, like, 
in-depth discussion of what it Tom is Bombadil insane. could be. But that's what that's what I love about it too. I mean, I love hearing the discourse between fans and all the theories. Some are stupid though, but um, <laughs> but I but it's great to listen to them. It's really fun. And I mean, I'm not here to judge. Out. Last week, I proposed that Frodo is a zombie, so it's fine. Yeah, that was. Yeah, see, still... see, see, there we go. That... <laughs> uh, but I have I have reasons to believe this. Uh, but yeah, Tol- Tolkien was a firm believer that in a fantasy story, there needs to be some unanswered questions so that the world feels mythological or I, fantastic. Yeah, I 100 agree. With that. I yes, exactly. I totally agree with that as well. Because and, and Tom Bombadil are... is just one of those unanswered questions. Yeah. Yes, yes, because. This is what's, you know, this is kind of what hurts when people try to explain everything and, okay, let's go to another uh, another world over here, Star Wars, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I love, I, I know many people love the extended materials, I mean, expanded universe stuff in Star Wars and everything, but it's it's nice to just say, hey, look, you know, um, people, you know, like uh, the, those those little bombs in, you know, The Last Jedi, they, they, they're falling because who cares? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Like, whatever. It's a movie. Enjoy but, yourself. <laughs> if you need an explanation, it could be as simple as, like, they're attracted to the power core that powers Imperial yeah, ships. Exa- exactly. Like, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you just like, just make up your own... It's... I mean... It's super future technology, but it's in the past. But it's yeah, super future yeah. technology. Like, who cares? Just let oh, it go. Yeah. How yeah, do lightsabers Star- work? It doesn't matter. Yeah. They're just cool. To- yeah, to be fair, Star Wars is strictly space fantasy. It's not uh, science fiction. So, mm-hmm. you know, right. and, you know, adding all these details is awesome and fun and great. And, you know, all the power to everybody who does it. And I think it's really cool, but it doesn't have to be something. Right. As, as I've heard a lot in regards to Star Wars, it's just one of my favorite statements about it is there's not a lot of science in that fiction. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. No, it's not. It's space fantasy. Anyway, speaking of this fantasy, right, yeah. um, speaking so, of the speaking elves, of the ants, elves waking up, yes. elves waking up okay. the trees. So like that's not like elves did wake up some trees, but they're not the ones who started that process. No, no, no. That, yeah, it is. Yeah, you, like you said, you're completely right. It's Yavanna. She, uh, it was a you know a thought in her mind, and um, there's some theories oh. going on it, whether the uh, you know the horns, you know those are the the tree trees. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, then the tree herders, the uh, the ants, um, whether they actually were alive um, before the elves awoke, because you know there was a strict there was a strict deadline uh, for you know Eru had his whole plan, Eru mm-hmm. Iluvatar, you know the god in in this mythology, and he you know he wanted the the humans and the elves, men and elves, to uh, awaken at a certain point, and all the other the Valar who have you know, Bill, I think everybody knows this. You guys do the Silmarillion thing anyway. Um, so the, the you know the Valar who were, who were below him um, and like Yavanna who created uh, these um, these other creatures, mm-hmm. they weren't at, at least they weren't allowed to get some kind of um, uh, consciousness. You know what I mean? Not not they um, don't have the um, yeah ensign. I don't think ensign eagles have the the fire, uh, the eternal fire. Like men and elves and dwarves do. Do dwar- well. I thought that's an interesting don't. thing. That's, I was going to say. Why, I was say, yeah. I think that's part of why Eru was so annoyed by like the dwarves being created because Ali imparted them with some of what he's not supposed uh. to. That's why they gain their 
their yeah. self awareness and their will. Chapter, so yeah. Um, yeah. That's the only that's the only thing that makes sense as to like why they developed will in the way that they did, mm. and yeah. why yeah. and why Iluvatar would have been so mad is that he tried Allah tried tried to like actually make real life separate from Iluvatar. But that's like right. the yeah. the Ents and the Eagles have free will. Right, but I don't think they have like souls in the way that men and elves and dwarves do. Oh. It's it's a different plan. Eru has different plans for different things. And yeah. uh, this right. was, you know, this was supposed to be Eru's master plan with the elves and men and now he and, you know, uh, as a as an act of um, mercy and I guess you could say love, he you know, adopted the dwarves as well in some in some respect. Um but uh, I don't know. I think the ants and the eagles, they have a different, they're off a different branch of cogn- cognitive thought or, you know, whatever you could say. Because um, they, are, they are literally a part of the world. They're not separate in the way that men and elves and dwarves are. Right. They don't use the world to have their lives. They are just a part of it. So they're, they're more tied into the fabric of Middle Earth than the elves are. Like more directly, yeah. like they're just they are just a part of the base of this world, mm. where the elves and men and then dwarves are part of a later part of the plan, right? Of like the passing yeah. of the pass, eventually the passing of the the world to men, because elves are the bridge between like the original version of the world and what men inherit, right? And elves are there to like maintain the natural world. And then recede and pass that world off to man. It's like a big relay race. Right. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Middle Earth is a baton that they're just passing along. That's right. You know, it's interesting that you mention that because the funny thing is that people always talk about how Lord of the Rings, and this is a, this is an interesting topic because no one ever kind of mentions this, but it's fun to know that um, at this point in the history of um, you know Middle Earth. As, as it is, you know, regionally speaking. Um, this is kind of like the decline of all the civilizations and the, uh, I, I don't want to say magic because that's also something in the books that people say, like, it's not really magic, it's something else. Um, where, it's you know, magic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's, it, it is interesting because... Uh, like I mean, if you watch this movie, you can tell that uh, like human civilizations are like just different pockets. You know, they're not as they're not as big as you would see in a uh, you know, like if you watched like Exodus or some kind of movie like that. There's a, those are like huge. Those are that those are civilizations that are in their peak. But in this, most of most of them are in their decline, and especially the elves. The elves don't have anything except like forests now and just little patches of of woods and. Uh, that's the third age for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's and only there's only three major elven civilizations left on Middle Earth, and they're in Mirkwood yeah. and Lorien and Rivendell. Mm-hmm. And, and I think calling them major yeah. is a is a stretch. They're very small. Exactly, and it's I just find that fascinating because this is you know Lord of the Rings is this big epic uh, movie that everybody loves, and it's like oh it's so cool, it's like fantasy, it's so awesome, and it's like if they did if this took place in like the first or the second age, that would be a very different. Uh, uh, story right there it'd be crazy it'd be insane yeah. well we get kind of a glimpse of that in the prologue and fellowship with the, the the hordes and hordes of like elves and men and like yeah going up against all the orcs and sauron throwing people around like mm-hmm. they're ragdolls and you yeah, see the remnants yeah. of that time in the balrog and in the felbies right 
good world building. Yeah. 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 The ruins, the ruins of um, uh, the Argonath, right? Yes. That's, that's something that's pretty cool. Anyway, we can, we can continue if you would like. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if there's much else in this minute to talk about. Yeah. Just Gimli being Gimli. Just, yeah. Just Gimli like, mm, uh, okay, fine. I'll put my axe down. Why are these trees so mad? Why do trees even yeah. talk? What do trees have to talk about? Right. We'll find out tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So thanks <laughs> once again for joining us today, Phil. Uh, oh, you're welcome. It's great. Yeah, it's been like really good discussion. So. Yeah. I love it when I don't know. I like I like having guests. It's it's fun. Uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Keeps us energized. Yeah. So excellent. We are from the website duelinggenre.com. Check us out there, as well as uh, the plethora of other podcasts. We also have not Movies by Minute podcasts. There's Geek by Night and Immunities and um, Protagonist Podcast and Doctor's Companion, which I co-host. And they're still doing the Countdown to Infinity, which is like the MCU like movie a week breakdown into um, up to uh, Avengers. So it's a lot check- of stuff. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff going on, so go ahead and check it out there. Um, I hope everyone has a good Tuesday, and we'll be back tomorrow to talk more about what we should be talking about. Bye. Bye.